Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Music Biz Weekly Podcast. I'm one of your two co-hosts, Michael Branville, and as always, I'm joined by Jay Gilbert. Hey, Mike. Is it Tuesday? No. I don't know, man. It's hey, you don't, Thursday. Don't pay, don't pay attention to your shirt. This is about voting. Oh, okay? there we go. Yeah. This is an accidental shirt, and it's just to remind people that I didn't got to vote. I didn't put my sticker on, but I can't oh, see it. It disappeared. Oh, there it is. There we go. Yeah, I voted. I voted mail-in ballot yesterday. Yep. We have six voters in our house now, Michael. We have uh, f the four kids are all now of age and voting. And, and two dogs. <laughs> <laughs> well, one's a Democrat, one's a Republican. Oh, uh, God. The dog, so it kind of canceled <laughs> each other out. That's why they're always fighting. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Um, before we get into this week's guest, which is sort of a continuation of last week's discussion, we just have a different person and a different knowledge set, and it's amazing. It's a topic everybody's asking about and everybody wants to know about, and we've, dig, we've dug we, in. We, we, we keep digging deeper. into this for you as much yeah. as we can. And, yeah. and I, I will just say this real quick, too. We're scheduling an interview within the next week or so here with a, a agent who just came back from one of their industry conventions, virtual conventions, and he's got a huge update as to where things stand in the concert and live business arena for our industry. Um, and he's gonna run down all of this. He, it was Dean who was a guest of ours yep. last March when this first happened and now we're looking back seven months later with him what's going on and how's it looking so yeah. um be sure you watch pay attention for the notice of that show yeah. but um quick shout out thank you to bruce hypebot bands in town thank you for Thanks, everything bruce. you do to continue to spread the word and of course to our sponsors bandzoogle.com Built by musicians for musicians, Bandzoogle is an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build, makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Bandzoogle powers the websites for tens of thousands of musicians around the world, from weekend warriors to Grammy winners. All the features you need for a professional website are already built in, including hosting and a custom domain name, dozens of fully customizable templates, tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, commission-free crowdfunding and fan subscription features, mailing list tools, social media integrations, and of course, amazing live tech support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So we put together a cool little offer for our listeners here. Head over to bandzoogle.com to try it for free for 30 days. Use the promo code all one word now, Music Biz Weekly, and you will get 15% off the first year of any subscription. So, banzoogle.com, head over there, get your discount. And then, of course, discmakers.com. We know it's a digital world, but there's still an important role for physical media for today's independent musician. Digital royalty payments can be so small that selling products like CD, vinyl, T-shirts online and at gigs has become an important income generator. For every CD you sell, you might need roughly 3,000 streams to make the same amount of money, and that's a lot of streams. Our friends at Disc Makers are the place to go for your discs and other physical media, including vinyl, USB drives, and even T-shirts. So head over to DiscMakers.com, place an order for 100 or more CDs, and when you check out, use the promo code FREEBIZ, all one word, FREEBIZ, and you will save up to $150 in shipping costs. So uh, let's just get right into it. You need to sit through, have a pen and a paper Absolutely. ready. You're going to want to take some notepad. notes. And you're probably going to want to, not selfishly wanting to get more views, but you will probably want to listen to this more than once. A lot of information here. Good who's, stuff. Who, who's our guest? Our guest today is Jess Furman, uh, VP of Sync Strategy at Big Noise, and she is a wealth of information uh, on sync licensing and placement. Yep. Let it roll. 
Build a stunning band website in minutes with Bandzoogle. Go to Bandzoogle.com to start your free 30-day trial and use the promo code MUSICBIZWEEKLY to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Today we're joined by Jess Furman, Vice President of Sync Strategy at Big Noise. Jess, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy day to chat with us. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I was telling Michael that... Uh, sync licensing, music supervisors, you know, placement and film, TV, commercials, games, all of that stuff has just been such a mystery to me. And I told him that, you know, you were gracious enough to hop on a quick call with me and, and answer some questions and walk me through it. And it's really helped with my understanding of that world and, and how it works. And I thought it'd be really interesting you know, to have you on and kind of explain, you know, for our audience, first of all, before we even get into, you know, what you do, you're a, you're a singer songwriter. Yeah, I was a singer songwriter for years and I still produce and write on a bunch of TV shows and do a lot of custom music on that. See, I love that because you're not preaching something from a book you're right. you're living it you've mm -hmm. done this stuff you've actually recorded with some of my friends and some of my clients and yeah <laughs> I, I think that's really cool I, you know I, i've only heard that one song but i i really loved it i think that was the one you did with blue yep yep perfect day we got that on drop dead oh. a couple times <laughs> more, more, more hooks than a tackle box yeah <laughs> that, <was, great. laughs> that, that was that was really good so anyway I, that's what I love about you is that you're, you're speaking from experience. You've tried things that worked. You've tried things that didn't work and you've kind of learned along the way how okay. things go. So, so let's just kick it off. Like what does a VP of sync strategy do every day? Well, um, when I got approached by big noise, it's John Cohen who had had Baker and records, um, it's Nick Gross, uh, who has Gross Labs, which is a bunch of companies, everything from e-gaming, sports. Um, and then it's John Feldman, who's the head of A&R, and he's, you know, he's a huge producer. He's in, he is basically Goldfinger. Um, they were just launching from scratch, and they, they knew how important Sync was. So they, they hired me to come in and basically set up their whole division wow. from the ground up. So, you know, we're in year two. Year one was basically just getting their, you know, like they're signing a bunch of catalog, getting it organized, and then creating relationships with supervisors and kind of putting big noise on the map. So year one was a lot of us kind of saying, hey, we're here. We have these artists. We have these acts. We have these writers. Um, but I, you know, at this point, I would say on a day-to-day -day basis, um, we have a certain amount of briefs that are coming in, and I can break it down because I don't know how how much your listeners for this know what briefs are. Pretend let, like let, they let's, know nothing. Yeah, I was just going to say, tell us everything because, as Jay was <laughs> alluding to, sync licensing and music placement is like the most m misunderstood. Yeah area it's of like the magic. music business everybody knows <laughs> it's like i gotta be there because that's actually where the money is i don't make yeah. money necessarily selling on itunes but i can make money placing music beyond that they have no idea how it works yeah so um so so essentially what briefs are and, and not all supervisors send them out so music supervisors are usually the people on the the shows in the ad agency world um you know what sync licensing is essentially is your song you wrote that's recorded um synced up literally synchronized to pictures so if there's music that has in a video game on an app um in a tv show in a movie that's a synchronization that means there's been a sync a sync license that's occurred they've either reached out to you or an agent your publisher your label and they've secured the rights uh to be able to have that in in their media in their visual media um so, you know, when I say, I, you know, I create relationships with supervisors where they give me briefs, it means that they trust that I'm going to have the paperwork in order, I'm going to send them the right songs for their projects, um, and a lot of times they'll send out what basically is like a couple paragraphs, or sometimes it's just a sentence with a reference saying, hey, we have this scene, we're looking for this type of song, do you have anything like this? Um, so the or brief comes from them to you, the music to, supervisors right. to you, okay. Correct, yeah, and that's based on, you know, trusted relationships, um, you know, 
them on them knowing that I'm going to not just send them a hundred tracks that they have to go through. I might pick, you know, two or three, or if I don't have anything, I might just not send in something. So, um, those are the briefs that come in. And then of course, like, you know, as part of my role, we also pitch out. So like we sent out a newsletter yesterday, like just to let supervisors know, um, you know, all these, we have all these artists coming out made in Tokyo, just had a new record that dropped girlfriends with Travis Mills. We have a new project. Goldfinger had a record that came out. Um, and they love that because it lets them have access sometimes to pre-releases and, you know, music that like, you know, they love getting music before anyone else has it. So that's our proactive part of my role is finding opportunities for our artists and bands and proactively sending out and saying, Hey, you're, you're a fan of this artist, like check out new stuff that's come out. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's like the process on that side. In, and how in much... Your, go ahead, Michael. I was going to say, in your experience, Jess, the music supervisors, how much of their their outreach would be to people like you that they have relationships with versus... Because I, I literally just had a client yesterday talk about this. He's like, well, you know, I can just go sign up for these websites and I'll pay, upload my music to them and I pay them a fee and they tell me they're going to go out and represent my music to supervisors. Yeah. Is that, you know, do music supervisors go that route often or are they prefer to go to somebody like you where they've got a relationship, they know your artist, they know what you can deliver? So that's a really good question. Um, you know, it's, it, it comes down to fee and price. So, you know, a lot of these websites, they offer great services, but you're kind of in it like a discount bin, basically. And, you know, maybe they have a series, it's a reality show. And if you're lucky, they might source through your stuff and, and kind of do their own searches, searches through that. Um, I would say if, if, you know, it's not a bad option if you don't have connections and it's an older record and you don't really care. You're like, oh, if I end up with a micro license, which is like, a, you know, maybe like less than $500 for a license, you know, that's extra money. It doesn't really bother me. That being said, once you're in that discount bin, it's trickier for someone like me to get a higher price point for your license because uh, you are kind of, you have put your stuff in something. Perception's that, reality. Would, yeah, would, perception's would, reality, yeah. Would it, would it be fair to say then that as, a, as an artist, if you really are committed to pursuing sync license as as a career option, even more so than performing live and, and recording albums and releasing it to the general public, you probably are better off building these relationships, even though it might take time, as opposed to dumping your music into these website bins and hoping somebody stumbles across them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say like the easiest way to do it is to get involved with like, you know, like we sign sync artists. We have like a lane that's our sync artist lane, you know, in addition to like the record label releases that we have. So, oh, wow. would, so you have two separate kind of rosters, kind of the label mm -hmm. and then ones you represent for sync. Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to remember, like, you know, I provide sync services for the label itself and for the publishing clients that we have, but, you know, we're still small, right? Like, I can't compete with Universal Music and Sony. So I get a lot of opportunities that come in that I can't satisfy because we don't have, like, maybe we have, you know, we have a lot of, we have hip hop, but a lot of it's not clean hip hop, which means I can't send in for certain opportunities. We have, you know, a lot of pop rock and alt, but, you know, if I get asked for singer songwriter or electronic, or EDM, you know, we don't have that stuff. So I fill that gap by signing um, for sync rep with, um, we have sync bands and so, sync artists. So, so when an artist submits something for possible signing to your sync side of the business versus the label side, because um, this all of a sudden is just like, well, this makes, could be an interesting comparison. Mm -hmm. What do you look at when you're signing somebody for sync versus label? I mean, it seems to me when you're going for sync, Really and truly, all that matters is the music. It's yeah, really it, about the music. You don't care. It, you you don't care if the person has a face for radio. You don't care mm -hmm. if if they've never played a it's show. You don't. You don't. You don't care if they've got ten people on Facebook. If the music is great, it, none of that matters. Is that none true? Of that then? matters. Yeah, it's true. I w I would say step one is. You know, it, the barrier to entry is it has to be broadcast quality. You can't send me a demo that's not broadcast quality. Gotcha. I can't, 
I can't do anything with it. So, you know, I'm listening first and foremost, like, you know, and, and, it, and I actually like the process that I have, cause I get sent a lot more material than I can review is if it comes in, I rope in my coordinator, Ryan, we have a spreadsheet and a list and he does the first round of listens. And then on a Friday, we kind of try to work our way through the list. People yeah. get fast tracked if it's a manager or a friend of a friend, because like sure. we're already doing business with them and I might I'll trust their ears and know that they're sending me something that I should put at the top of the list. Um, but the first thing that, that we listen for is, is, is quality. If, if it's not broadcast quality, we, we move on from it. doesn't matter. Um, it doesn't yeah. matter. Right. And the second thing is it doesn't matter if I necessarily, it's my cup of tea or the style that I like. If I have a hole in my catalog and it's something that's unique and different and I'm like, wow, like I don't actually have this, you know, blue grassy type stuff like, you know, this that I can send in when I get asked for X, Y, and Z. So, you know, if the quality is great. If the music is if, like, is a little bit different. I don't want to sign. Um, I don't want to have like 50 singer songwriters and, you know, and then everyone's competing or a hundred singer songwriters. Like I try to fit a hole where someone's like just slightly different. Um, so that, that would be the second step would be is it different than what I have. Um, the third is it, it is different writing for sync licensing. Sometimes you get lucky and, you know, someone really loves a song, a director loves a song, a producer loves a band, and then the rules kind of go out the window because sure. they're just like, I want this artist <laughs> in this scene for this thing. Um, I would say that typically you have to think about sync licensing and think about the fact that there's dialogue, right? So what tends to do better is more space. So if it's wall-to-wall -wall vocals, it's really difficult unless it's the perfect vocal for the perfect scene. And, you know, it's that showcase piece, like, like for example, like, you know, Grey's Anatomy or like, like the end montage where it's a montage of, of pictures and there's words that are drifting in and out. Um, even then, you know, it tends to be sparse vocals. So I would say, you know, writing for sync, your sync projects, you want it to have sparse vocals so that they can weave in and out dialogue, <laughs> you know? That makes a lot of sense. Their products. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. we always hear that term, you know, is it sync? Mm -hmm. And it's such a nebulous term, but what you've just described kind of tells you, kind of lays out what's syncable. How important is it for that first impression, even if it's somebody you know, you have a relationship with, you've worked with, or, or someone you haven't, for you and your team, do you always want to have an, an instrumental version delivered with it, or can that come later? Do you want any other versions, or do you just want to hear the song? And, 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 and to what Jay's just saying, because I was just going to ask the same question, does it need to be the full two-and-a-half, three-minute song? Could they just send in a 30-second piece of music? Will that work, do you, or do you need to hear more? So there's kind of two lanes here. So so one is just licensing. We call that needle drop. That has to be a full song because and, and there actually should be a band name or an artist attached to it. Supervisors or music fans, they want to feel like, you know, even if you're a sync writer, you're breaking, you know, like they're breaking the bands. They're, they're so like, discovering, yes. Correct. Sure. And and you know, there are a lot of there are bands that did really well in sync licensing world and then started touring and went went out that way. You know, they Absolutely. started gathering a following and you know, labels started circling because they got so much notoriety or they were making so much money on their music because they were licensing. So, you know, I you definitely sending me a 30 second snippet or one song that's not attached to a project. Um in terms of licensing, I'm going to, I'm going to pass on it because, you know, it's easier for me if you're like, I have three songs like this, this is my band or artist name, here's a little artwork I put together for it. And then I'm like, great, look, we're good to go. I can now fully form with this project and, 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 and promote it or send it out. Um, the only exception being uh, the custom lane. So, you know, we're a little bit different at Big Noise because I have a custom house called Sound Revolver. And the difference between sync licensing and custom is that with sync licensing, you don't have a lot of time. So like we will get sometimes something in and it's two, two o'clock and they send it to us at 1030. And, and usually what that means is that they couldn't maybe clear or afford something they fell in love with. And yeah. now they're, you know, they're, they're in post-production and they need to replace a song that they can afford, right? You don't have time to write new music in those three hours. You really just don't, um, unless you're really, really fast. But at that <laughs> stage, what I'm looking for is like, 
needle drop projects that are fully formed, full songs that are recorded. With the custom lane, it's a little bit different. So that's when you can give me a 30 second snippet. If you know I have a beer ad and they're like, we need 30 seconds of this style of music, you know, with vocalese or something, you know, something else. And in that case, like, yeah, I'm just submitting for the 30 second spot. If you already have it written, even better. If you have time to crank on that, you know, at that day, um, you can maybe write the 30 second spot and see if it lands. But that the only exception would be with, with the custom so, job with would it help you then if somebody came and submitted to you and said, here's 20 songs I've got, but they've taken the extra time to say, these three are soft, romantic, chill ballads. These three are aggressive guitar songs. The, you know, helping you kind of bucket the songs. Does that help you or do you want to do, make that decision yourself? No, man, that's a great question. Um, you know, you have to remember, like, you know, for my attention, so, like, if, if three briefs come in, right, so say I get off the phone and my, you know, coordinator's already working on a show with, like, a bunch of searches, right? I don't have a lot of time. I have to listen to that music, help pull the first list of, the, you know, the playlist. I'm constantly having to listen to music to actually send out on opportunities. So when music comes in, to me from people that want to work with me, the easier you can make it. Like, don't give me a playlist with 20 songs. Like, give me, I want your aces. So give me like one song in each style, maybe, and pick like two or three, you know, and, and, and yeah, be very clear. Say, I, you know, the heartfelt singer-songwriter stuff, you know, but I also have maybe this style. And give me one or two songs so that I can just very quickly like, and, and I, I've seen people who pitched me like, when people send me a bunch of stuff, I'm really busy, 99% of the time it goes to my coordinator to go on that list. And then again, if I have time on a Friday, we try to whittle through and listen to everything. Occasionally I do just, I'm on a call or a video thing and I have a little bit of room. And if someone sends me a really simple email and it's interesting enough, I'll listen to it right away. I click on it. If I can just listen to the song, um, you know, and I don't, I don't like Spotify. Um, I was just going to say, how do you yeah. prefer your music submitted to listen? Do you do you want do you want the the MP3 attached to an email? Do you want a SoundCloud link? What's your preferred method? And, and let me add to that just really yeah. quickly because I think this goes hand in hand. Yeah, what what Michael's asking, you know, do you want an MP3? Do you want a link? Do you want a song space or a SoundCloud or whatever? But also, do you want an image of the band? Do you want a bio? Do you want any any other information that could help you you know to make your decision quicker or to kind of move is what kind of what would be the ideal kind of communication that someone would send you what would that include yeah it, it wouldn't be an attachment because i won't open an attachment from people that i don't know um it would be a link um soundcloud's really easy a private soundcloud um i love box as long you know anything that yeah. makes it that i can click and i can listen to it i don't like spotify because i you know i mean <laughs> jamie talked about this. I'm on the board of, of Sona. I'm really into advocacy uh, for songwriters. And, you know, we, we are yeah. currently trying to wrestle back songwriting rights from Spotify. So I'm not a huge fan of supporting their platform. I don't have an account. Um, so sometimes I'll click it and it'll make me sign in. And, you know, that extra click means that now your email just went down further in my inbox. Um, so I would say, yeah, like a box link, uh, SoundCloud, anything that I can click on and listen to. And again, if I click on a link in box and there's like 50 tracks, I get overwhelmed. Like, sure. I'm, it's too much for me to have to go through. Yeah. So I would say, um, as far as a box, goes that's I think that's another um, misunderstanding that bands have and they're like oh, I have all this radio play I'm getting all this traction and sometimes managers will pitch me like that too again what we said earlier I need I'm listening for something different I don't care yeah. whether you have one follower or you that's have a you know, 100,000 followers yeah. I'm the music has to be right it has to be recorded in a way that you know again broadcast quality and I have to feel like I can use that it. makes sense so it, what about lyrics do you do you care about lyrics not not to start like what you want to do is hook me really fast with cool production okay. don't bore us it, get to yeah, the yeah just really and then and then have me ask for more like hey do you also have artwork and do you have this and that or is ah, this and um okay for someone like me on the licensing lane i try to you know i what i'm looking for is one stop one stop meaning artists and bands that have control of their own masters and their own publishing on the songs uh particularly because the reason why in big noise music group we have a sync lane for sync signings is because I'm trying to fill a hole 
across the music group. So, you know, I, when I get a record, you know, for Goldfinger and there are all these writers on it, you know, I, I have to represent that project, but it, it presents a lot of like- It's more challenging, um, right? More challenging. I, think, I think that's yeah. really important that, that, especially for younger artists, you mm -hmm. shouldn't submit anything if you don't know Yes. All confidence that you have the rights to submit this. You, you can't submit something if there was a third songwriter and you had a falling out with that person and you haven't yeah. talked to them in 10 years. Yep. That only makes your job harder because you might sit here and go, I, the song is selected, approved, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden, oh, by the way, I have an issue here. The third songwriter's pulling the plug on this. Yeah, absolutely. You can't do that. No, and I think that, and that's the bummer part is like, you know, like I came from artist world, right? So you just want to collaborate with everybody. And mm -hmm. I did all the rounds with like, you know, different publishing houses at the time. And actually when I started getting into licensing, there were a lot of songs I couldn't, you, I couldn't, my agents couldn't use because there were so many writers on it or there were writers oh. that were signed to publishing companies that would never, you know, like historically oh. just didn't say yes for certain fees, which to me were meaningful as a small, you know, like struggling artist, yeah. but you know, it's too small for say a Warner Chapel or for a Sony ATV to even be willing to like, email back over and then you lose that whole license. So yeah, so, so I, in addition, I don't like to listen to things I can't use. So like it's, if you're going to send me a couple links, make sure that you know all who your co-writers are, um, what their pub, like what they're publishing, what the splits are, because the next step is you, you, so you get me to click on your link. Cause you write this really great, simple email. I love the music. I'm going to write you back. We're open my coordinator and say, great. Uh, who represents this? Can I represent all sides of it? Meaning, you know, can I, you know, license and speak on behalf of the sound recording? And can I speak on behalf of the publishing side? And that's when you have to have your, like, all your stuff together, right? Like yeah. you're gonna have to sign a split sheet that has and lists everything because, and again, this is the unsexy part of it. My job as a sync licensing person is to issue a contract to be able to license the music. So I have to have my ducks in a row so that when, you know, I've pitched now your song and say Lucifer wants to use it or for the, you know, the series Lucifer on Nancy sure. Drew, right? Yeah. They're going to say, okay, Jess, who can you sign off on for this? So I have to have my ducks in a row before we even get to that point so that I can contract your music to end up on that show. So we just talked about the songwriters and the co-writers. Does mm -hmm. it matter the musicians who performed on it as well. Oh, I got my buddy to guest on the saxophone. Do you need to clear the performer as well? Um, not, not, not necessarily. I mean, the only time that that gets a little hairy is like uh, for ads with vocalists, if it's SAG or not, you know, union, not union. Right. Uh -huh. um, that's more ads and commercials. It's really not um, some productions, but not typically not the musician side. Um, you know, when you, when you sign off that I can rep that master, whatever sub deals you have for your master with your players is up to you. Sure. Like okay. if you, so essentially like I'm trusting that, I used to do this when I was an artist, which, so I was signed to Secret Road back in the day, which is, and they're an amazing singer-songwriting licensing agency. They're great. Um, I would make sure that when I was in sessions with other producers, that I would have them sign a sheet where I could have admin authority as the artist to like negotiate the licenses. And then they would pay me and I would pay out, you know, whatever producer or writer just to kind of make it more simple. So that's a good thing to have your ducks in the row in a row with as well. Like maybe you promise the sax player, if you promise them a percentage of the song for playing on your thing, then that get, that gets into the publishing right. side. So right. they're going to show up. But if you promise them, you know, revenue share of the master, that's your deal with them. Like I'm, I'm, I'm assuming when I sign over or you tell me that you rep your own master and I cut you a check that then you pay out the people. That's that makes sense. Yeah. Now, do, do, do people ever come to you and specifically ask for a cover? All the time. I mean, all the time. yeah, of course. Yeah. Covers are really like, so <laughs> a lot of publishers love covers because it means that they don't have to deal with the record label anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so like, you know, it is like, you know, I have a lot of publishers that'll reach out or back in the day, I, when I was first getting more into it, I would say, Hey, do you have any covers you want me to do of your catalog? Because it gives them a couple other options. And then if they license it, it's their, you know, they're clearing their publishing side and then they're clearing the master with me, um, which makes life a lot easier than them maybe having to like go and like, you know, talk to like a massive label, you know, that's going to want X amount of money. So how, how, how would an artist submit to you their ability to do a great 
I don't know, a, ro a great Rolling Stone cover. I mean, do, do you actually want them to submit music of them performing as the Rolling Stones? Um, I mean, I, I would say that like, it, it's what's more popular is an interesting take on a song, like uh, most of these TV shows that, that do covers, they want like a, a totally new reimagined version of uh, that song. Yeah. Um, it's just like, it's, it's, I mean, I've heard such really cool stuff. So yeah, sometimes bands will send me stuff and it's like, you know, they did their own version, but it's kind of more on the karaoke, like it's a little bit on the nose. Like if you take a totally, if you deconstruct it and make it really interesting, that's, yeah does really 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 well um i'll take a i'll take a master like that um there's a, there's a couple of you have to kind of do your homework because there are definitely certain bands that are like an artist where the publishers won't like really allow you to license those covers and then you kind of get stuck um or, or they're publishers that like because it's such a big band or song that like they won't license in the 10 grand or the 20 grand like they're only going to do it if it's six figures and up um so there are a couple of covers that like you just kind of start to know like oh that song's never going to get approved it's like you know, like right it's don't a, even waste your time <laughs> don't even bother it's never going to get approved but then there's some like you know like you do a cool enough cover sometimes the band's like oh i really like this is awesome like yeah sure we'll, yeah. we'll be willing to do that you know let you let you release the song so yeah i would I heard say this. that oh, go ahead. i was gonna say if you want to contact um publishers that you know publish certain songs that's always a safer bet because if they say yes then you know it, i think it makes sense for you to do that cover then yeah i know what you mean about you know when you're doing a cover to reimagine it because mm -hmm. we've all heard those versions of what, what's the woman from iron and wine who did the duran duran um uh, ordinary world and then you yeah. know uh there was the um there was one where this woman re-recorded Nirvana uh, smells like teen spirit in this slow droning. Yeah. And it's just, it really grabs you when you hear a cover tune done in a reimagined way. Yeah. So I, I can see how that would fit really well, uh, you know, in the sync world. Do you deal also with apps and games yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we have like you know, yeah. It's <laughs> like we actually in my in my, my team we split it up by day because it's you know again we're tiny. I it's I run the division. I have a coordinator, and then I have a couple joint venture agents that um, I put on some of our bigger projects just so uh -huh. we like can share and have more briefs rolling in. But um, yeah, I mean, we do like we have, like a video game day where you know we just focus on we make sure that we hit. Like every day of the week, I have like split up to like. That's fun. How, does, how do they differ? Like when you're listening to music for a game, does it need to be more upbeat and more you know rock and roll, or is it all over the map? And and for apps and things like that, how how does that vary? I mean, that's where you again you want to work with someone that knows what projects are coming out. You know, like you look at like we just had uh, two of our we had one band, the Rex, that was in EA Games. Um, it it was NHL Twenty One. And uh, the Rex are like, you know, indie, indie band, indie rock, cool. And then we also had uh, Arkells, which is a different band. That was uh, actually a publishing. We have um, Jay Stolar is one of our, um, on our publishing roster. So that was a song that he wrote. We had both of those in the game. You have to just know what Very they're cool. doing, like what style they're going for. Like, is it punk rock? Is it like the Tony Hawk game just did a reboot and Tony Hawk was really big on doing punk music. Um, Goldfinger Superman was massive for, um, you know, Tony Hawk back in the day. They did a reboot. So we have the new Superman, you know, in a revisit of Superman from Goldfinger in that game. Very so. Cool. You know, that's the other thing too, I think, when you when you think your music might be good for sync, and, and this is where I actually do like partnering with bands and artists if they have ideas for their music. Like I'm always like, look, you know, you can I can't watch every show on the planet. I can't I don't know everything that's coming out at all times, video game, you know, like if you see a billboard for a show and you hear a song like your style, that you know, a lot of times there are lanes where things will go. I will say for video games, once it's being advertised, it's usually locked. It's too late. Ah, so, okay. you know, if you're like, this game's coming out, I want to be in it. And I'm like, okay, well, at that point, maybe we can get you in the advertising around the project. So maybe we can get you in, you know, the promo for it that goes on, you know, it could be digital promos, TV promos. Um, so you kind of have to know when it comes to like apps, it's, it's kind of the same thing. Usually that's custom music for a lot of the apps. Um, they will use library sometimes and just library means just pre-existing tracks. Um, or they'll do a flat rate library deal. Um, does that answer the question? 
Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very much. It's also interesting to me, all of this, it's like another world out yeah. there because, and I notice because I'm, I listen to a lot of music, even if I'm watching a trailer for a film, I'll listen to that music. And a lot of times that trailer music isn't on the soundtrack. And right. I've seen instances where some of my artists have gotten trailers, but they're not in the film. Right. You know, they, they wanted a different vibe for the trailer and you just mm -hmm. kind of have to open your mind but uh, is there, you know, there's certain songs that you hear everywhere, you know, Walking on Sunshine or something like that, that's been in every commercial and everything, yeah. you know, under the sun. Are, are there certain types of music that, that you look for, uh, whether it's a genre or a mood that you think is probably a little bit easier to, to work with? Yeah, I mean, like, again, it depends on, like, what you're shooting for, like, with ads and commercials, like, they really like mashup of different styles like because they want something fresh and unique and different like they're using the music just as much as they're using every element of that ad to get you excited about that product um if they want to have you know if it's a toyota commercial and they want to use a famous country artist they're gonna you know use a famous country artist um we just had a like a there's like a john mayer song i can't say which one but it was supposed to be in a massive um car ad but he already had an exclusive industry exclusive for another ad coming out um, and in that case, they were kind of pulling, you know, they reached out again, the supervisor that I know this agency and was like, hey, do you guys, you know, we had our hearts set on this, which means we had a big budget for it, but it's oh, already, it, it doesn't work with the industry exclusive release on the song. You know, what else do you guys have, have for this? So it, yeah, it's really specific. There are general things I look for, meaning like that I know I can pitch on pretty much everything. And I think for that, you know, just like if you're writing for cuts, right? Like you have to look at what's trending. And I think that that's a big difference between getting into sync licensing. Like if you're an artist and you have your art and you have your own voice and you want to get extra money by getting your songs licensed, you know, you have to keep in mind that you're not writing for sync, right? You're writing for yourself. Mm -hmm. If you want to really have sync licensing be lucrative for you, you have to study where you fall into it. Like know what your strengths are, know what style you write for that, that, you know, it seems to be what people's ears perk up when they hear. Mm -hmm. um, and then look, you know, it's look at the shows, study what's on the shows or, or ads, like ads and commercials, what brands, like certain brands are only using hip hop or they're, you know, they're, they're brand, each brand has a voice, right? So, and it doesn't really stray too much. Um, the things that I see that, that, that go the furthest for ads and commercials, definitely a mashup of styles. So like Sophie Tucker was really big because it was really interesting rhythms, but then like the instrumentation was like, just kind of out there. It, it like mashed up all these different styles with like, you know, an instrument, like a, like a bass, it was kind of funky, but then they had these like weird little like piano that would come in and, you know, so like paying attention to something that's like a mashup of styles that sounds different. Um, you know, what's trending? Like it, it, when you're ready for cuts or like what's trending? Like what, what, where, where is country leaning? Oh, is it more pop in this market? Like yeah. it's the same. It's the same in licensing. That's super cool. Yeah. So when you're listening to all of this music, do you ever think to yourself, this music might fit this brand? And the reason I bring that up is one of my clients, um, the Accidentals got this really cool, um, it's like a full on commercial about them using a Dodge van and yeah. because they use Dodge vans and they tour with this van and, and it was, it was a really cool, almost like a mini documentary that they did online that Dodge did for them. Is there any kind of brand collaborations that you deal with? Yeah, that's like, that's where we cross over with like, yeah, the marketing team for the label and the band. Yeah, like you're lucky if you, those are, they're really hard to get, but like when you have the right fit, it's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, it's where it melds into like endorsement, <laughs> like more yeah. endorsement land. Yeah. 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 That's, that, that's super interesting. It, it, is, is there a typical like hierarchy of where you could expect more money to come from, meaning movies pay more, then it's TVs, then it's apps, then it's video games. I mean, or is it kind of all over the place? Um, the most is, is, is the big ads. Ad budgets are total, you know, you can still get paid for a 15 second snippet, an insane amount of money with ads and the right ad campaign. Um, I would say ads are where most pretty much most of the money is when, when you, once you get into TV and film, uh, it is, you tend to get, I mean, 
you get paid more if you're a bigger artist. That's always going to be the case everywhere. You know, if there, mm-hmm. right. we, we had sense. a Bud Light commercial that we were like in the $80,000 range for, um, as an overseas commercial and we were in the final running for it. We did a custom and they were trying to get, um, a Neil Young song and they ended up like the 11th hour, like, getting it and you know so like you lost out to that even though they ended up paying probably a couple hundred thousand dollars more but the director had their heart set on that that bigger one so if you're a bigger artist you're going to command those fees anyway and those rates um but i would say for like um indie artists or for people starting out that don't have a name most is going to be ads and commercials for sure um with tv if it's a broadcast show you also have you have back-end royalties. So that can be lucrative if, you, if you're getting a bunch of your songs on, you know, different TV series that get syndicated and do really well. Like, you're never going to make... MTV shows are pretty low fees. Um, you're not going to get an upfront fee for an MTV show that's anything, like, significant. But, you know, a lot of those shows end up getting syndicated worldwide and they just keep playing. So and, and, and that's can, what can, can you clarify when you say a back-end deal, does that mean the artist will make money every time that episode is aired in a a syndication and a rerun they all they'll make a few pennies yeah that's your ASCAP, your bmi money that's your with your royalties off of your publishing share and your writer share so if if you know you know that 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 does offset a lot of the fees so and a lot of these networks know it like there's certain you know there's certain networks that specifically you know sometimes like an artist will call me and be like i want to be on this show and and they don't realize that behind the scenes they've done that network has done a blanket deal with a library where they're just like you know micro licenses meaning like you only got a couple hundred up front but they know that the mailbox money the back end bmi ascap csac they know that that's going to be significant because these are hit shows that get syndicated so uh, you know they'll they'll do these low blanket deals for, deals for fees because you're going to make it up on volume you know, later on down the road. So is there much room for negotiation when a, a license opportunity is presented to an artist or is it sort of take it or leave it? Um, it depends on, uh, it depends on the level of artist. You know, I, I, and this is the heartbreaking part is like, I'll get, I'll get, yeah, and it, it's a math thing, right? So like you might have a series where the supervisor, the supervisor has a budget. They have, you know, maybe that one marquee song at the end, they have a bunch of money for and they're shooting high. But then they also have maybe 10 or 11 smaller little spots, you know, where music's coming from the TV or in the background underneath dialogue. And those fees are going to be less, right? And they're trying to figure out what they can afford for the showcase pieces versus like, you know, music that's coming from source or somewhere else. Um, you know, and when I get that brief, they'll say sometimes, this is the budgets we have. Let us know which of your artists fall into what range. And it will be like one to 3,000, five to 10,000 north of 15. Because they also don't want to lock in a thing and then have me come back and say, oh, no, you want Ashley Tisdale or you want Goldfinger or you want, you know, the use. That's going to be more expensive. Um, that being said, if I know that like, you know, like new, new politics, for example, like if it's on brand for them, they might think they can't afford it, but I can say, actually, you know, we're doing it, it, this show airs around the time we're doing a promotional run. So I, if your fees are only within that range, you know, the band will actually approve it because it's, you know, it helps with their marketing mm-hmm. campaign, yeah. but Is there you have that- to price things out. Yeah. Is there a window of exclusivity? So let's say I'm an artist, you've placed my song in, let's say a TV commercial or a movie. Is it now that you can't pitch that song for anything else until a window of exclusivity goes by or can that happen? Yeah, it usually, get, usually it's more with ads and commercials. It's not necessarily, it's not usually with shows. Um, but yeah, that can happen if it's like, you know, what happened with the John Mayer song where like he already had it, what's called an industry exclusive. And these are the little things that add money, right? So like there's duration of an ad campaign or a promo or trailer, how long are they going to run the trailer for? Um, and sometimes in those cases, they'll ask for like six months, it's six months and you can't, you know, you can't have the song in another car ad. You can't have the song in, you know, there are all these different things that they like to play with to, you know, of course they're going to ask for as much as they can, but for TV shows and films, you usually don't see exclusivity. Um, Where you might hurt you is when the release date is. So like when all these, we started getting all of the the breakdowns for, 
for these shows that are now filming now, you know, everything shut down because of COVID. So, you know, we got, usually we get the breakdowns for the shows earlier in the summer and we were getting them a little bit later. They all only want new stuff. They're like, we want anything that was released in 2020 only or unreleased. So that's like the other, that's another game too, is like, it could be the perfect song, but you released it in December of like 2019 and- Uh. They don't want, they want, you know, they want to break the newest and the greatest only. They don't want to hear older stuff. Now, they're not all like that, but a lot of the hit shows that, you know, that are known for discovering cool and new music, they, you know, that's their prerequisite is must yeah. be released in the last year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I was working with an artist a while back and I wanted to ask you about this. Is it common for, let's say, uh, a movie um, company to come to you and maybe get three songs and then you don't know which one's actually placed in the film until kind of the last minute? Yeah, you, all the you time. Run into that? Yeah, because that's what happens to And you're like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because that happened to an artist, a friend of mine who they're like we're up for this there we could get it we don't know and they literally didn't know until it came out yep all the time all the time and i like we don't like we don't celebrate like so when we what so so when briefs come in so say say i pitch to you know like say the show lucifer for example and the supervisor comes back to me and says this song's perfect for this scene he, it, they give me what's called a quote. So they we, they work out all the options. Like we want it in this scene for this amount. These are the rights we want. This is the fee. And you can negotiate. It just depends on what line you fall on. So like labels tend to negotiate harder because they're managing the brand. They're managing mm-hmm. the artist. You know, so they'll negotiate harder. Um, if I'm on behalf of a publishing client, I tend to like play ball. So I'll say whatever the, whatever Selena Gomez wants to do, if we have like a sliver of it, I'm like, we'll default to the artist, you know, whatever. I don't want to hold anything back if it's a performance or they want it for, you know, so we, on my end, I tend to like be really flexible with, if I'm on the publishing side of it, I'm a little bit more strict if it's our artist, like I have talked to management and I'm like, okay, are you cool with them promoting it? Like with the game, for example, they wanted an option to potentially use the song out of the game and use it for promo and i knew the band was going to say yes but in that case like we're negotiating like different step up parts of that deal so when the deal comes in so we negotiated this deal for for ea games like you know probably in oh my gosh like march or april right and it just came out last week so what ends up happening is is i sign this quote which means they know what it's going to cost we have certain if and or buts like yes you can use an additional promo for additional fee and then it comes out and then they that usually then they're like okay here's the license paperwork and you know then we contract then we invoice for it but a lot of times we don't know it'll it'll just because they don't remember they don't have to tell us i've already said yes in these conditions yes you can do this thing so they've already signed off so one of the things that i have um ryan do and my team is we keep very good track of every single quote that comes out when the release dates are and once a week him and our interns google and look up and see what's come out there's been a lot of times where we're like wow, this clip came out. Like no one circled back and got, because they have to get the official license. That was just a quote. They have to get the official license. So all the time, like all the time, it just ends up, (laughs) you have to like search for it. That that, that brings up a a quick question. Mm -hmm. At what point in this whole process is payment made? So it takes a really long time. And I think that's really important to understand and, and not bank on this as your main source of income. If, if you're, you know, like, if you're like, I'm going to like, so on the front end, um, I had something in say like, you know, CBS show, right? So I get the quote in by the time it airs, maybe it was two months later or a month and a half later. Sometimes it's faster depending on where they are in their post-production and when they're trying to source for that scene. Um, you can't invoice until there is a confirmed use and it's aired. So wow. once it's confirmed, then they'll turn around. Usually they take their time. It can take anywhere from a couple weeks or sometimes they forget and you have to like have looked and been like, hey, look at my team, we, every week wow. we update our licenses because I don't want to miss any. But that's you. That's on you. You have to watch and go, oh, they use that thing and invoice them. If, heaven forbid, you missed one and that's, you would have to just rely on their honesty or their internal processes, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. And when they, and like, you know, the bigger the network, like sometimes it's been, we've, we have some people we have like, like ABC, for example, like they have so many shows running at all times. And remember this is considered a sync license, a, a taped airing of a song, right? So that's considered because even if they're performing it, they still have to clear it as a, there's a synchronization happening even yes. with them performing their own song or playing the song on air. Um, you know, once that goes through, you know, it can be up to like, 10 months later before they process it in their, in their payment system, through their payment portal. So yeah, I I mean, I I think a lot of it, I would say most people are really honest about it. Supervisors are great about it. Um, Occasionally things fall through. Like we did the um, promos for Moonlight, uh, the movie Moonlight that got the Academy Award. And we had submitted a couple different composer spots and kind of similar to your experience, we didn't know what was going to make it in the final cut. And A24, because here's the other part too, is we're dealing with the trailer house. So we dealt with the trailer house to create these things. I used two different composers. We had two different versions going. And that's separate from the studio? Yeah, so then when once, oh my gosh. once they won it, right, they won those, like they were bidding too. Once they got their promos for the film Moonlight, I was contacted then by A24, which is the production company, and they're the ones that get the license. And when we were when we were looking for the clips to put up on our site, we found that they had invoiced us, and they just made a mistake. It was an honest mistake. They were very apologetic, but they had used two of our compositions, not just one. Oh. And they had contracted for one of them, which is fine. Like they they made good on it. But if we hadn't Googled and looked, we were like, well, that's weird. That's they used this composer and they used that composer track. That's an additional license. That's an additional mm-hmm. fee. So, but remember two different, you know, A24 really doesn't know. They know what the trailer house gives them as information. So right. it, yeah. it's, there's a whole little change. Well, now, now it makes sense why sometimes I'll hear these great songs in the trailer that aren't in the film. If you've got two people with separate goals, you know, one of them is making this piece of art, this film, and the other one just wants to put butts in the seats and drive you and get you excited about it. Um, are they kind of hand in hand or are they like totally separate? Totally separate. So, wow. so when I worked on, um, you know, I did the music for uh, Littlest Pet Shop and, you know, I was working directly. So that's custom. So I got hired to write and produce these songs for the show that were in the actual animated series. And wow. then when they wanted to run promos for it, an entirely different team in their corporation <laughs> has it. They're in the marketing. Their job is like they're, it's like church and state. Like they're mm-hmm. not it's not the creative narrative part. We had to do other deals for them to license some of the, for us, it was vocalists. Like they did buyouts on the track, which meant that, you know, for animation, it's really typical that, you know, for these TV shows for animation that they own the publishing and the master. Um, But not the vocalist, right? So they had to come back for us to the promotions team to use, um, in this case, they liked our demo singer better than the voice actors. Like it was just, we used like a really amazing demo singer in LA. And the, you know, again, the marketing team is listening to the ponies sing it and the ponies did a great job. And mm-hmm. they're listening to our original demo and they're going, Oh, we really want to use this again to sell products. Sure. So total different team, total different negotiation. Yeah. Different. Do, do apps and video games operate the same way in that payment isn't made until it's released? Mm, sometimes you can negotiate it a little bit differently. Only but- because, you know, for some video games, that, that could be a long lead time until a release is actually happening. Yeah, I, I would say yes, that's what it is. If it's a license, yeah, absolutely. Because remember, they they secure the right. It's their option to use it, right? But anything can get stuck on the cutting floor at the 11th hour. They could pull the promo. They could pull, So like until it's actually in the game or- Until the, it's you know, used. Correct. Yeah. Now, yeah. the exception to this is I did um, the music for my, through my custom house. Uh, Crayola uh, had, a, had an app and I did the music for that. American Doll had an app and I did the music for that. You know, in that case, because I got hired to produce and compose that music, that was paid ahead of time. Sure. Because we're actually, you know, whether they use it or not at that point, like you, that's where you negotiate. You're like, well, it's at least this fee or sometimes there'll be what's called a kill fee. But if you're doing it custom yeah. to a project, that's the only exception, you know, because yeah, that, that that's seen more as simple work for hire as opposed yeah. to a license. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So do that's you ever, the exception. Do you ever find your music 
being used without permission from either you personally or from your roster. You're just maybe watching a, a video or a TV show or a film or whatever. And you're like, wait a second, that's, that's one of ours. Do you ever find yourself or are, are people pretty diligent about making sure they actually have the rights and they've people are really diligent. Their whole, like, you know, like, like, so like Viacom, for example, um, they are, you know, think about how many networks Viacom deals with, right? You have MTV, CMT, Logo, yeah. Paramount, like there's tons, right? So my, the, the friends that I have that are the supervisors at Viacom, their job is to oversee all those networks that each have then individual supervisors on those shows, but it's a machine. They don't, they don't want a lawsuit, right? So there, you know, a supervisor's job is not just to select the music. It's also to have, and this is also why, like as a writer, you have to have all your rights. Like they, they can't just throw it on, you know, it gets a little different where there's like films and indie filmmakers, like I'm sure stuff like that's where it gets hairy. But for the most part, it's very, especially if it's bigger networks, it's very well regimented. Like what ended up where, who has that copyright? You know, if it's a mistake, it's because someone put the wrong, you know, I've been sent the wrong contract before where they're like, oh yeah, this aired on this thing. And we're like, well, that's not our song. And they're like, oh, oops. And then we'll send yeah. you the other one. But I mean, human error, it happens, Human error, right? yeah, human error. I, I would say it's happening less and less, especially because, you know, you have Shazam and you have different services where like, you know, sure. even with like people using YouTube videos, like that where they don't have permission to use the songs. Like it's, yeah. I, I, we get reached out to a lot by students that are like, can we use your, this song in my student project? And you know, like they're learning, people are learning about, you know, because they're getting caught or their videos are getting flagged. So they're yeah. realizing they can't just use whatever music they want. Right. I, I imagine that uh, one of the drivers to do it right and and get everything legally cleared in advance is it can be an extremely expensive to clean it up after the fact. If you got caught using music that mm -hmm. you didn't have the right to, all of a sudden, so I, I would imagine all of a sudden the negotiating power is now shifted to the creator of the music as opposed to the program or the app or the video game? Well, sometimes. So like you'd think, right? So we have like a lot of the bigger agencies require that like a licensed agency like us or a label, it, we have what's called errors and omission E&O insurance. Because as much as I think that that's not a sample, my producer didn't tell me, you know, it, and it ends up being a sample. And then that other label sues, they'll sue everybody in the chain. So, you know, of course we try to say like our contracts do say things like, you know, this is to the best of our ability. We do try to push the blame back down. You know, we have, we carry insurance because, you know, like the, you know, the, the, the jingle house or the ad agency doesn't want to have to deal with it at that level of money. If someone's like, Hey, I heard this song in my ad. That's my sample. No one, pay no one paid me for this. Yeah. So it happens. It really does happen. Or like, I don't know if you guys have talked to your audience all about musicologists, um, but some of the bigger agencies require that musicologists listen because it's not enough that you might have sampled someone else's recording. If it sounds too much, like you ripped off someone's melody, like that can be another case, like where, you, you know, you, you it happens. Yeah. It happens all the time where like, this is too similar to this. Like we've started to see yeah. more lawsuits like that. So. Wow. Fascinating stuff. Jess, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to to talk with us. It's it's always like I'm, you know, going to school, you know, when we chat. <laughs> this this, this is know. like this is like the what, the the Spock mind meld. I mean <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah. you have such a passion for it and it shows and it's it's just so helpful because this is that one part of the business, like we said, that a lot of people don't really know. You know, we they understand masters, you know, and they understand some of the basics, but when it gets to sync, it's nuanced and there are rules and of the road and there's a lot to learn and and I really appreciate you taking the time to kind of help educate us. Yeah, of course. And I would just say like to your listeners, like it sounds overwhelming, but that's why you have partners. You find an agent that you trust, you know, like I would try to find an agency that reps music similar to mine or, or you know, what you have, like where, you know, they'll do a lot of this stuff for you. And then also like do your homework. Like don't just think it's going to be great on a show. Like if you think it's good on a show, watch the show and listen, look yeah. at the brand, listen, you know, just do your homework a little bit. I, I, those partners to me are the ones that I sign because they're helping me too. They're like, okay, I've done my homework and I think I'd be great for these things. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, great. 
I'll look at it. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. I, it makes my job a little easier. So, yeah. Well, thanks again, Jess. We really appreciate you coming on, talking with us. So much. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thank <laughs> All right, you. Jess, have a great day. We'll talk soon. Take you care. Too. Bye. 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 Discmakers.com. Use code FREEBIZ for ground shipping on CD orders of 100 units or more, $150 value. Wow. Uh, you know, my brain is still processing yeah all of that this is this is an episode you're going to need to listen to a couple times take notes. take notes yeah 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 i yeah, mean she, there, there's there's just to... so much like great yeah real insight i mean just the you know I, as she was talking i'm like well when do you get paid out of all of this oh yeah. it could be a long time oh okay yeah. so this isn't just i'm making money really quick when somebody says yes it's when they actually use it not when yeah. they say yes yeah i learned so much from her and and i know i brought this up uh as a beginning but it, it bears repeating she's a singer songwriter she's done these things she's had things placed she's kind of lived through this she's not just repeating something from a book she does this day in and day out and i think she provided a lot of inside baseball that i don't think you'd get somewhere else oh nowhere i mean it's i'm just i'm not seeing this sort of information being readily available to to musicians out there it's still one of these areas of the business where you need to have that friend that buddy that relationship that person who's right. there it's to help you, know. you through this yeah yeah, yeah. There's, Good it, stuff. It, it's it's a little it's a little concerning that there's all these companies that are like, we'll do it all for you. Just send us your music and sign up and pay us so much per month. And it's like, doesn't this business doesn't really work that way? No, you need relationships. You need yep. and you need to educate yourself, which is something we say every week. But this is a good start. Yep. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. So um, before we sign off, thank you to HypeBot and Bands in Town for your continued support. And of course, to our sponsors, Bandzoogle and DiscMakers.com. Thank you so much month in and month out for what you do to help us out here. And if you are watching us on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. If you're listening on Spotify, hit that follow button. If you're listening on iTunes, subscribe and leave a review and a rating. Please. It means a lot to us and it helps. It really does help in the yep. end. Oh, and let's not forget, you can now find us on Amazon Music as well. Yeah. So um, that's it. Music Biz Weekly Podcast. We're out of here. See you next week.